I'm not saying that the army will be able to do for you what it did for me. All I'm saying is you get out of it exactly what you put into it. Now, uh, sometimes uh, the army's your best shot. There's a couple of questions I have to ask you. They're a little personal, though. You ever been uh, convicted of a felony or a misdemeanor? That's uh, robbery, rape, car theft, that sort of thing. Convicted? Yeah. No. Never convicted. That's good. Good. Are either of you uh, homosexuals? You mean like flaming or? Well, it's a standard question we have to ask. No, we are not homosexuals, but we are willing to learn. Yeah. Would they send us someplace special? I guess that's a no on both. Come down here, please, because I'm alone. Welcome to Misfit Apparitions, the podcast. I'm Don. Now I'm Ernest. And this episode begins season two of the podcast. We are so glad to be back and are appreciative to our regular listeners who have been waiting. To our new listeners, we are happy you decided to give us a listen and hope we earn your listenership. Be sure to check us out at MisfitApparitions.com and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel with the handle at Misfit Apparitions. Listen to the podcast on our website or YouTube channel or wherever podcasts can be found. If you enjoy the podcast, please give us a review, a like, or a thumbs up and spread the word about us. We appreciate it as it helps the podcast get recognized. If you have any comments, concerns, or questions, please drop us an email at mopod at misfitapparitions.com or ask us directly from a social media platform that you feel comfortable with. We had hoped to begin the second season of the podcast the day after Labor Day, but life had other plans. Each member of this team experienced a high and or low event in their life this summer, extending into fall, but all appears well now. In the end, it simply made sense to keep the schedule as is, and since today is Halloween Eve, what could be more perfect? When we left the podcast at the end of Season 1, we spoke about the team investigating Hill House Manor in Gainesville, Texas, which we did, and releasing some of the team's investigation videos, which we did, but just one. Ernest and I are back to working on our next investigation video, the Velisca Axe Murder House, the trailer of which was released earlier this month. Be sure to check that out on our social media platforms and our YouTube channel. So here we are again, Ernest. 
Back in the game, baby. <laughs> As uh, homage to Dave Chappelle, for all of you who don't know where that came from. <laughs> it's been an interesting, I guess it's been four months now since we've been doing this. Things that happened to all of us, but those are tend to be personal. So let's just talk about things that we want to share with people, like Hill House Manor investigation in July. What do you think about that? Uh, it was a very interesting place. Um, there was hot. Well, I can just say it was hot because only like the lounge area, the kitchen area was the only thing that had AC. And the rest of the house was just hot. I mean, even pulling cable to run our angel cameras, it was just just sweat coming off. Yeah, it's like we didn't learn our lesson from Goliad and that September heat. Oh, that was Yeah, bad. and we go that into mid-July to another place that's really hot. But yeah, that was a, it was a very good experience. I think we... We actually were able to pick up some things on audio, and and Crystal had a really good EVP session, and we got, I think, five names. I don't remember what those are, but we will have an interview coming up with Linda Hill, the owner of Hill House Manor. That's going to be coming up on an upcoming podcast, so stay tuned for that. We also went to Goatman's Bridge, which Uh, seemed like a little bit of a tourist trap. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> Goatman's Bridge was pretty cool. I mean, just being there, but it's it's become an attraction. So, I mean, people were there, you know, a lot of teenagers, I'm guessing, smoking and drinking. And so we really couldn't really, like, investigate, but it was fun being there. It was fun. It seemed like it's lost its mystique or something. I don't know, but um, maybe we just need to go back in cooler weather probably maybe that attraction of the heat and people being there and congregating was what else could they do right in the summer right i don't remember what time did we go there was it, it was, like it was after, after midnight right or something it was, it was late yeah it, it was, was still a lot of people yeah it was couldn't even find parking a lot of people and animals were there dogs and oh lots and lots of spiders and i was just about to say that spiders oh no that was yeah <laughs> it was yeah. like everywhere watching people sit down in places where you saw spiders just a moment before it was kind of do you really want to do that you know oh, man. There's spiders that are occupying that space anyway but yeah it was hot and um, that was just the beginning of what the state of texas experienced especially in our area like three months of 100 degree temperatures was just unreal so hot un unreal and in the middle of all that just to share a little personal tidbit the ac in my house went out The outdoor condenser went out, and it was under warranty, but the part was going to take six weeks to get in. It was, I think, being brought in by rowboat from China. (laughs) Um, Poor guy. I kind of stayed at different places throughout all that time. I stayed here a couple nights, and it was just about 85 degrees, and then I wound up sleeping in my car in my driveway with the car running the air conditioner, and I was stretched out in the trunk from my back seat. Did that for a couple nights. And then I had some friends that let me stay at their place. At one point, that thermostat in the house read 100 degrees. And wow. It did get replaced. And because it was so hot, the Misfit Apparition server was shut down to protect the data that was on there. So we didn't really do much of anything during the summer. We were lucky that we got the investigation video out and the trailer out. But more are we coming. And just today... Just by contrast, it didn't even get out of the 40s here. So, no, it was uh, it, 
it was i thought it was pretty cool but it is kind of cold because we're so used to the triple digits here oh yeah and this was quite a shock and i i dislike this weather especially when it's cold and rainy i just don't right. like that kind of weather oh yeah so let's talk about our upcoming trips oh yes yeah we're gonna be going to atchison kansas Yes, we're going to spend two nights there, and this will only be Ernest, Mike, and myself that will be attending this. We will be doing exactly the same things that we've done at other places with our angels, with Lady Ariel shooting our video from the air, and we'll also be recording podcasts there that will air at some point before the end of the year. That would be cool. So the first place we're going to is the McIntyre Villa. Ernest has been watching some videos of other teams that have gone there. This place looks enormous. It's huge. It is very huge. Ernest has these dreams. So I'm going to say about these <laughs> dreams that they, 99% of them are just basically foretelling our future. He dreamed about this particular place that we're going to and how we're going to do it. And there was something that happened that kind of threw that dream, made it false, like it's not going to happen. But then... Something else happened, and it made it back into, like, yeah, this is a possibility. That I know that sounds very confusing, but it all boils down to us doing something completely out of our element. Right. Going individually into places in this two floors, one attic, one basement mansion, and just doing individual investigating by ourselves. All we have is a walkie-talkie to speak to each other. We don't ever want to do that, because especially in places we've never been to. But it's something we're going to try this time. And because we want to get the audience involved, so we're going to do some live streaming. Each person, all three of us, are going to have a live stream. One will be on YouTube, from our YouTube channel. Ernest is going to do his personal, and I'll be doing our teams. So we're each going to be doing simultaneously live streams. And... You, our friends and fellow misfits, will be able to watch what's going on and select the stream you want to watch. And we think that's going to be pretty cool. And hopefully that'll all work out with any type of bodily accidents or anything like that, <laughs> or screaming or anything like that. We don't anticipate anything bad happening, but it's going to be different for us. Yeah. I mean, this was, like I told Don about my uh, dream, It's it was just, I don't know. We were just individually investigating and things happened in my dream and so i told don and mike about it and so they're they're on board and uh like don said we're going to be live on youtube and two different streams from facebook my personal facebook and misfits uh, facebook we're aiming for an 8 p.m central standard time start to that we figured the earlier the better we hope that all of y'all will be able to watch. That'd be so great. And then for night number two, which is not going to be the next night, but the following night, because we learned from Iowa that we are too <laughs> old to go back-to-back. Whoever we says that, that they can do back-to-back, uh, it's, it's, it's tough. If you're going to stay up all night and do back-to-back ones, I don't know what drugs you take or what cereals you eat. It's tough. So on night number two, which is going to skip a night, will be the famous Sally House. Oh, yeah. And uh, Sally House, I'm sure a lot of people are, know about this place, but I was told by a friend of ours that uh, he said, be careful. This is, a, you know, this is a demonic presence that's there in the house. And what does Mike say to that? 
bring it. Yeah. Mike's the big skeptic, so if anything tech goes after Mike, um, it may change his mind. <laughs> it may not, but so those are something to look forward to. We're also going to do live streaming of that at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time on the 21st. So McIntyre Villa will be live stream 8 p.m. on Sunday, November 19th, and Sally House 8 p.m. on Tuesday, November 21st. And Don's already reviewed the weather. What is it going to be like in Kansas at It this changes time? a lot. The lowest I've seen it was in the 20s and in the 40s during the day. Of course, I think half the team is wishing for snow. <laughs> that would be kind of cool. I just don't want to drive in it, and I don't want us to drive in it. And if it happens to snow when we're there, that's fine. Um, so let it snow, whatever. Just uh, don't snow when we're traveling. Right. Um, let's, let's get there safe and back home safe, but... If it snows while we're there investigating, I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. We'll have to tell Mike not to eat the yellow snow. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That is true. <laughs> okay. In this first episode of our second season, we are approaching unknown territory. Or as last season's episodes were about locations the team has investigated. The majority of this season episodes will be about locations the team has not investigated including this one. We hope you enjoy this episode. Today we are going to talk about Old Cowtown Museum in Wichita, Kansas. Old Cowtown Museum it is an outdoor living museum consisting of 54 structures on its 23 acres. 27 of those structures are considered original and historic and were relocated to the grounds from Wichita and other areas in Kansas. It is those original structures that we will talk about. Old Cowtown Museum was established in 1952 as Historic Wichita and then opened to the general public as Old Cowtown Museum in 1955. In terms of historical immersion, Old Cowtown Museum reminds me of Colonial Williamsburg, but on a much smaller scale, of course. It is officially recognized by the American Alliance of Museums, the highest honor bestowed upon a museum in the United States. The origin of Old Cowtown Museum can be considered a fortunate happenstance brought together in the 1940s by writers Richard Long, managing editor of the Wichita Eagle Morning Edition newspaper, and editor Victor Murdoch, son of the newspaper's founder. By coincidence, both were penning features on the Wichita's early history. The articles inspired them to try and protect the city's historic buildings. The first structure to be part of the original Old Cowtown Museum idea was the First Presbyterian Church. It was the first church in the town of Wichita, having been built in 1870. Two years later, the church went Catholic and relocated to another area of town. It then became a boarding house and was moved again. A second floor was added, but a fire destroyed it in 1949, at which time the entire structure was condemned. As a promise to his friend Murdoch, Long purchased the building from a salvage company for $400 with plans of restoring it. Included in the sale of the boarding house was the Hodge House, mistakenly believed to be the church's parsonage. In actuality, the house was built by blacksmith Wesley Hodge, where he, his wife, son, and daughter resided as one of Wichita's first African-American families. At about this time, the entire affair became a non-profit organization called Historic Wichita, Inc., its purchase was to, quote, to purchase, remove, locate, or relocate, re 
place, remodel, renovate, restore, repair, reproduce, furnish, equip, and exhibit buildings in the city of Wichita, Kansas, deemed by the corporation to have historic merit, associations, or interest, end quote. Historic Wichita then sought land to establish a permanent location to preserve the two structures they currently had, plus others acquired in the future. Emery Cox, director of Wichita's parks, passed on using any city parkland, believing historic buildings and a parking lot would upset the natural scenery parks provided. Instead, Cox assisted in obtaining 23 acres of land along the northern bank of the Arkansas River from the Wichita Water Company. Both the church and Hodge House were relocated to their new permanent location and went through complete restorations. Not long after, Historic Wichita acquired the Munger House, the only building on the museum grounds listed on the National Register of Historic Places. It was donated by the Eunice Sterling Chapter of the Daughters of the American Revolution. The house, built in 1869, was home to Darius Munger, who was sent in 1868 to create the town of Wichita. In 1874, the home was purchased by W.C. Woodman, Wichita's first banker, who added onto the home by integrating it inside a Victorian house. It was not until 70 years later that the Munger house was rediscovered when its Victorian shell was demolished. Shortly before the restoration of the Munger house was complete, a fourth structure was added to the historic Wichita Museum, Wichita's first jail. At the time, the jail belonged to the Wichita School Board that ultimately sold the building to historic Wichita for $1. It was originally constructed in 1871, and its small size suggests it was generally used for short-term imprisonment for drunkards to sober up. It is just shy of 300 square feet with horizontal plank construction and six-inch thick walls made of stacked cottonwood board held together with iron spikes. The only restoration needed were the jail's locks and keys. The locks were donated by a citizen and local locksmiths created and donated the locks keys. The fifth building acquired was what is presently known as the Thomas Shaw Music Store. However, the plans were to make the original two-story building into a drugstore on the first floor and a land office on the second. During restoration, the second floor was destroyed by a storm. Recovered pieces from the second floor were later used to build a separate land office. The remaining building served as a drugstore until 1996, when a two-story structure was built on site to serve as the museum's drugstore, while the historic building it vacated became the Thomas Shaw Music Store. Historic Wichita's next acquisition was the Wichita and Southwestern Depot. A delegation consisting of members of Historic Wichita and Atchison, Topeka, and Santa Fe Railway Company visited three railroad depots in the Kansas towns of Adams, Annis, and Eula. Historic Wichita selected the Annis Depot, and the company donated and relocated the depot to the museum grounds. The company also built a small stretch of rail line connecting the grain elevator to the stockyards for complete authenticity using original rails and spikes. They also donated a handcar and boxcar to be parked near the station. Historic Wichita then acquired what was once the Wichita Towns Ship Hall, a structure built in 1881 and condemned by the city's fire chief after Wichita had outgrown it. The condemnation allowed it to be disposed of and therefore was donated to the museum in 1955. It was first used as a post office for several decades until its current use 
at O'Hara's Barbershop. The one-room schoolhouse was built in Wichita around 1910, moved several times to serve as an additional classroom for all schools until making its last stop at Meridian School in 1950. After being used as a country school museum for the Kansas Sentinel of 1961, the Wichita Board of Education donated it to the museum in 1962. The Arkansas Valley Grain Elevator and Scale House was built in 1912 in Bentley, Kansas, and donated to the museum in 1986 by its owner, Burlington Northern Railroad. The 50-foot-tall structure was split into three sections, transported to Old Cowtown, and reassembled. In 1994, Gerald Blood donated his great-grandfather's home, the Gilman Blood House, to the museum, which received it in 2001. Gilman Blood was an orchardist known for his honest baskets of apples and peaches, meaning fruit at the bottom of the basket was just as good as the fruit at the top. His orchard operated commercially in Wichita for four generations. In Wichita Eagle and Print Shop features a false front and full glass display windows. The late 19th century building was moved to the museum in 1958 after previously being used for a grocery store and jewelry repair shop. The interior front room features the editor's office and public reading room, while the back room housed the equipment that produced the newspaper. The Wichita Eagle was one of Wichita's first newspapers and continues to this day. Its founder, Marshall Murdoch, whose son Victor, if you remember, helped start the idea of preserving Wichita's historic buildings, was a passionate promoter of Wichita, always looking for ways to attract new settlers to the town. Upon his death, his wife Victoria took ownership and became one of few women publishers of a large daily newspaper. Empire Hall, once a grocery store, was donated to the museum in 1960, where it was used as a restaurant and exhibit gallery. It is now used as a volunteer building. In the early 1960s, the M.M. Fitchheimer dry goods and clothing became part of the museum. Prior to its donation, it served as a house and liquor store. Named after Max M. Fitchheimer, the son of a Jewish immigrant from Bavaria, opened the store in Wichita in the late 1870s. The Fitchheimer family continues to prosper after over 175 years of manufacturing high-quality uniforms for the law enforcement and military communities. Originally built as the Rockford Township Hall, the structure came to the museum in 1966, where it became Fritz Schnitzler's Saloon, a weekly publication back in the day often claimed Fritz Schnitzler to be a man who spared no expense to provide the best food, drink, and cigars at any hour of the day or night. A building built between 1904 and 1905 that is believed to have once been an office for the Gardner Coal Company was donated by the family and moved to the museum in the 1960s. It is called Garden and Coal, but is not open to the public. As important as an Old West Town's general store was to its public, Old Cowtown Museum 
would be hard-pressed to be without one. The A.K. Masters General Store, built in 1884 and originally operated in Gardner Plain, Kansas, was moved to the museum in 1965. Civil War veteran Leonard Hoffman built the Heller Cabin during Wichita's settlement period, yet its log construction is different from the museum's other structures, Munger House and Trapper's Cabin. Heller Cabin is listed in the top 10 intact structures in the United States from the settlement period. It was donated to the museum by Donna Heller. With the restoration process before opening in the fall of 2009, the Mackenzie House, believed to have been built in the 1880s, was donated to the museum by the Mackenzie family in 1961. The family-owned rental properties, and this house is believed to have later served as one. On the museum grounds, it has been used as a caretaker's residence, volunteer headquarters, interpreter's lounge, and a Girl Scout house. The Meat Market Building was built by Fred Brising Sr. in 1890 in Whitewater, Kansas, which he operated for over 30 years. It was donated and moved to the museum in 1988 and seen as one of the last authentic structures near Wichita that characterized the cattle trade error. Eaglehurst, the nickname for the house built in 1874 by Wichita City Eagle newspaper founder and editor Marshall Murdoch, was moved to the museum in 1974. It was his son Victor whose efforts to establish historic Wichita, later renamed the Old Cowtown Museum, brought Eaglehurst to the museum. The house was built in the Gothic Revival style, with steeply pitched gabled roof and window hood molds were restored, while additions later added to the house were removed to accurately represent the period from which the house was built. The Smith House is a farmhouse built in 1884 by Homer Smith. It was moved to the museum in 1990 and is part of the 1880 DeVore Farm a fully functional five-acre farm with animals and items common to 1880 farms. And by fully functional, I mean the chickens are fed, clothing is sown, the garden is tended, corn, wheat, and other field crops are planted, tended, and harvested. The Southern Hotel was donated to the museum in 1960. Its first floor served businesses such as a cabinet maker, grocery store, oil company, plumbing company, and tire service. After it was moved, a false front and balcony were added to the structure, as well as interior paneling created from a planing mill from the same time period. The Story and a Half House came to the museum in 1961. It was built in the late 1880s and represents what a lower middle income family would live in after the arrival of railroad to Wichita in 1872. In its day, it was referred to as a starter house or generica family home and is called story and a half house because its second floor ceilings follows the slope of the roof line. Unknown as to who built it, Trapper's Cabin was built in 1865 along the south bank of the Nanishka River. It was later acquired by a man named Kincaid after he filed a claim on the land the cabin was built upon. Kincaid later sold the property to an immigrant from Switzerland named Adrian Sauter. At some time during his ownership, the cabin became incorporated into a larger house which naturally preserved it. In 1969, Sauter's son donated the building to the museum. Constructed in 1880 to be a hardware store in El Paso, Kansas, now known as Derby, Kansas, 
The building was donated to the museum by the city in 1966. The building first became the museum's gambling hall before becoming Turnverein Hall. Turnvereins were exercise groups in early 19th century Germany that stressed the importance of physical activity for young men to prepare them for life in the military. The halls later became a place where all members of a community could gather for dances, lectures, and socials. The Wolf House, originally located in Galesburg Township, was built in 1885 by Henry Wolf. The home is very modest in terms of its construction. It is a one-room deep, two-room wide plan referred to as a hall and parlor style. It commonly housed newly arrived settlers to the area. Henry Wolf successfully farmed the land around the home and acquired more farmland in the area. His farming grew so much that at the time of his death, he was considered one of Galesburg Township's most successful farmers. His daughter and her husband eventually sold the land to Frank Hoover in 1946. Hoover donated the house to the museum in 1978. Now let's get into the paranormal of Old Cowtown Museum. In addition to the 27 original structures moved to the museum, which some have been reported to have paranormal activity, there are thousands of period furnishings, tools, and art that could have spirit attachments. The reportedly most haunted location on the museum grounds is the Murdoch House. The Murdochs had eight children, only four of which lived to adulthood. Of the four that died, the oldest, Love and Tangle, died of spinal meningitis at the age of eight. It is believed that her spirit has pigtails and can be seen peeking around corners and looking outside from an upstairs window. She's also been seen playing around inside the home as well as inside other buildings on the museum grounds. A candle was seen floating from a candelabra in the dining room and tall shadows standing on the staircase, which some claim to be Marshall Murdoch himself. In other buildings, employees and visitors both felt being poked, prodded, having witnessed lights turning on and off without explanation hearing footsteps, rustling curtains, seeing objects being thrown, and full-body apparitions. There are investigation videos on YouTube. Be sure to check out some of those. And that's going to do it for this episode. Again, we appreciate you listening. If you have had or have paranormal experiences and would like to share them with us and listeners, please contact us and tell us about it. Your experience could be read during an episode, or if you prefer to be interviewed, your interview could be added to an episode. So until next time, keep spreading the word about us. And remember, it's not the things in your life that matter, it's the memories. Cherish those and those whom you make them with. See you on the next episode of the podcast. Stay spooky, fellow misfits.